one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender. Just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. From the BTG Studios in Rochester, New York, this is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. Joining me is my friend of many years, producer Zach Barletta. It has been quite a while now, Zach. Were you out of college when I had you and your brother coaching that youth baseball league team for me? I don't even know if I was in college yet. It's been been a long time. It's been a long time. And also sitting in this week is another good friend of mine for many years, Jeff Grace. He's always wondered what it would be like to sit with two high-profile radio personality stars. So we said, why don't you come in and sit with us? You talk, You like to talk about sports. Yeah, since there weren't any high-profile stars available, he's going <laughs> to sit in with us. Oh, come on, be nice now. Jeff is a Braves fan, an Orlando Magic fan, yeah. Dallas Stars fan. You got it. And Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, man. You don't root for any local teams. Well, explain yeah. yourself, young man. I just wanted to be different. Well, you've accomplished wanted, that. Wanted to be different. Well, it started <laughs> with me and my father. I mean, and we were both. being rebellious. You rebelled yeah, against your father's favorite teams. Oh, it's a yeah, sad story. A common story. Him, so we had a little little rivalry game going on in the, in the home, and I'm getting that with my three year old. Whenever I'm watching a game, a Yankees game, Rangers game, whoever it is, I tell her which team I like and hope that. She'll be a fan of it, and she immediately goes, oh, I like whatever the other color is, you know? I'm watching Yankees-Red Sox. Oh, look, Daddy's team's in blue and white. She goes, oh, I like the red team. That was My son did that for the longest time. He, in fact, he went to – I was being a New York Giants fan. He became a Dallas Cowboys fan. Eventually, he saw the light and came back to the good side. He never did that with the Yankees, though. He was a Yankees fan since day one. Just wanted to rebel against your dad, Jeff. I, I don't even... Hey, warm weather. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. <laughs> Beyond the Game is on Twitter, at BTG Program. If you're a regular listener, you already know that. We welcome you into another broadcast of the number one faith-based sports talk radio program in all of New York State. doesn't matter that it's the only one. And if you're just joining us for the first time, we thank you and hope you enjoy the program. You can find out more information about where, what we're about at our website, btgprogram.com. And you can listen to previous broadcasts right there as well. Once again, btgprogram.com. Zach, let's get into it. I know you are dying to talk about the New York Yankees. Not only they made the trade with the White Sox that brought back a couple of great bullpen guys that really strengthened that, but then separate deals. They got a couple starters, the Twins, the A's. All in all, the Yankees gave from their surplus of minor leaguers. They had some depth mm-hmm. there, and uh, looks like they were the winners at the trade deadline, but in a couple of years, we may view that differently. Uh, they did give up some talent to Oakland. How do you see it? Did everybody win in these deals, or did the Yankees really come out on top? And well, I think the potential is there for everybody to win in this scenario. Um, the Yankees got what they wanted, which is a young, good starter with two and a half years of team control left, which they need. Um, and Oakland got three top 100 prospects. You know, I 
Two of them are injured, so they're more lottery tickets than anything, but they're all very good players who all, if they come back fully healthy, should be major league regulars. So um, there's the potential there for both teams to win. There's also the potential for neither team to win because Sonny Gray doesn't have the cleanest bill of health. He's a small guy. And like I said, two of the three players that Oakland got are currently rehabbing major injuries. So um, like you said, it's going to be several years before we really know um, how this trade turns out. I think it could be one of those, at least the one with the A's. And even the trade with the White Sox, both teams helped themselves. Both Mm -hmm. teams got what they wanted out of it. But what I'm wondering is, does this put Yankees manager Joe Girardi on the hot seat? Does it put a little more pressure on him to win? I mean, are the expectations greater? Is making the playoffs not going to be good enough? Or are they going to need to move beyond the wild card game? I don't think it makes the seat too hot right now. I mean, maybe it it warms it up a little bit, certainly, but... This is a team that um, really is contending sort of ahead of schedule. You know, this was supposed to be the beginning of the turnaround, and then the next couple of years you would start to see the kids come up. Really, some of the kids that have come up, like Clint Frazier, Dustin Fowler, Tyler Wade this year, weren't really supposed to, and it happened sort of out of necessity because it seems like every day another person was getting injured for a while there this summer. And so I think that the schedule has sort of been accelerated, but I think this is a season where you're sort of playing with house money, so to speak. And I think next year when they're really in that the window of contention that they had designed for themselves, I think next year is year you really start to see some pressure on the team to achieve things. I, th- I think you're right. I, Girardi has done better than expected with lesser talented rosters. And now it's going to be interesting to see how he does with more talented rosters. And I don't think there's a lot of pressure on him this season. But that pressure is going to be notched up come next year to go deeper into the playoffs, if not make a World Series run. And speaking of playoffs, we're shaping up to have a great second half. Oh, yeah. And and especially the playoffs. Now, I realize that half the divisions are sort of, they're determined already. The AL West, the NL East, the NL West are pretty much concluded at this point. The Astros, Nationals, Dodgers having huge Mm. leads. But the other divisions are shaping up to be tight races. And from a TV ratings perspective, are they looking forward, man, a Yankees-Red Sox playoff series, Mm -hmm. potentially a Cubs-Cardinals race, not to discount the Brewers, but Cubs-Cardinals is a huge rivalry. Mm -hmm. How excited would Fox and Major League Baseball be, not to mention the good for, for the entire population of the United States of America to have a World Series matchup? of the Yankees and the Dodgers. Red Sox-Dodgers would be nice, too. Mm-hmm. Be close second in terms of grabbing national attention, but having the Dodgers and New York, that would be a... You'd have the two rookie sluggers, Judge and Bellinger, too. There's that would so be... many ways to sell that series. Yeah. I think that just captures the nation. That would be exciting. Jeff's not saying anything because his Braves have... You know, they're just <laughs> they're a disappointment. playing out the string just at this point. Although the Braves got a terrific farm system, right? You're excited about the next couple of years. That's what they say. There's some nice players starting to reach the majors, though. Sean Newcomb and Ozzie Albies. And, I mean, Swanson hasn't been great, but you know eventually he's going to hit. So they'll be a fun team to watch. I've tried to convince Jeff for a long time. He, I think deep down he wants to be a Yankees fan. But he just, just, won't, not in the blood, man. just won't do Sorry. it. <laughs> just Coming do up it. on today's show, what are your feelings about LeVar Ball? 
Does his antics amuse you, or are you perhaps offended by them? After his getting a referee pulled from a game this past week, there can only be one appropriate answer to that question. We'll break that down, as well as look back at the Steve Bartman incident during the 2003 National League Championship Series. The Cubs presented him with a World Series ring this week. But does that make everything okay? Basically being outcasted for over a decade? We'll do some shenanigans, as well as tell you what it is that we like this week. All coming up today on the Beyond the Game program. I hope you'll stick around. We'll try to encourage you over these next 50 minutes or so. Leave you with some thoughts from God's Word, which apply to these sports stories, along with Zach Barletta and Jeff Grace. I'm Rick Benson. We'll be back right after this. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play, or on our website, MythsAndMysteriesPod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta and Jeff Grace. This is the Beyond the Game program from the BTG Studios in Rochester, New York. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. As much as I would prefer it not to be so, it does appear that LeVar Ball is not going away anytime soon. He's established himself in the American sports culture, crossing into pop culture even with his boorish behavior, his loud, unapologetic personality. He's the type of guy that while some love, most hate, but yet seem to be unable to ignore. I think he was on WrestleMania, right? Once you're on WrestleMania, you're officially a thing. I, I guess so. Many of those that dislike the guy seem to they seem to actually enjoy disliking him. Like there's something about this is fun to dislike the guy. It's not just an indifference, but they seem to they look forward to his ridiculous antics just so they can engage and tell people how much they don't like him. And for me, obviously, I don't, I don't know the guy. So it's hard for me to say anything about him personally. But from what I see of him in the media, I, I don't care for his act. I do get the sense that it's an act. I, I really don't think this guy can mm-hmm. be serious. And what was the latest thing? He said he's a better tight end than Gronkowski. That's yeah. A, yeah. Come on. Nobody is taking you seriously. Or at least it started as an act, I should say, is now something that he keeps going because I don't know, he's he's come to enjoy the attention. He likes mm-hmm. the, the spotlight. His sons are terrific basketball players. And from everything I read, they're really good, really polite, nice people. 
Lonzo, the second overall pick this year's draft by the Lakers, maybe would have been just as high a pick and certainly would have been a very high pick. Maybe he still would have gone as high as two, but he certainly received a lot of extra attention thanks to his boisterous father's act. And I think that's what it started out intending to be. He created a lot of attention for his kid. Mm-hmm. And I think his kid benefited from that. Again, I think he still would have been a very high draft pick, but maybe, I, I don't know, as high as two. And it seems like a branding thing, too. You know, he's always on the news, on Sports Center, and he's always wearing the big baller brand hat and the big baller brand shirt, you know, and all this airtime that he's getting is also free advertising. Yeah, well, of course. Now, now it's business. And he keeps it going, but he seems to thrive on it, of course, but he's got two more sons in high school. Leangelo and LaMelo, LaMelo being the younger, he's going to be a junior this year, I believe. But the buzz around him is already pretty significant. And he's verbally committed, I think, at 13 years old, verbally committed to follow Lonzo's footsteps and go to UCLA. The timing's right for a guy like LeVar. I don't think his act would have gone over as well or been as successful years ago. But now we live in this National Enquirer age and... You know, where reality television, sensationalism, exploitation, these things equal high ratings. People mm-hmm. like that. They like to watch it. And he's taking advantage of it and giving himself a platform to turn himself into sort of a pseudo-celebrity. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hasn't really earned any celebrity status. He's only famous because he's famous. He that's hasn't a, actually accomplished anything. That's a great comparison. LeVar is taking advantage of it. Like I said, every time we... Look at him. I think we lose a little bit of our own dignity, you know, every time we see a Zach. Those who support and defend him, they say he's a great father and businessman. And seems like he did a good job raising his children. And, you know, his shoes, what do they sell for? $500 a brand? Something like that. That's that's, absolutely insane. That's a lot of money. But let's be honest. If Lonzo wasn't the great player that he is, with all the upside, with all the potential, would anybody care about big baller brand? Nope. Of course no. not. Of course not. So I'm not really sure how much credit goes to LeVar. I mean, he's obviously able to draw attention. He's like a traveling carnival person calling out, you know, people to win their girl a stuffed animal, knocking down weighted milk cans with a softball or something. He seems to be good at that. But uh, his AA youth basketball, AAU youth basketball team. They've enjoyed some level of success, but I, I couldn't tell you that if it's because he's a good coach or because he's drawn so much attention, if it's he's gotten good players. Uh, I don't know. But if, is his coaching good? I have no idea. Um, he's got good players. This is where things, though, have started to go from an annoying, obnoxious, albeit fairly harmless act to something that I think is uh, – becoming something which is not so good for the youth. It's not so good for the people involved in the program, not good for the parents, the potential business benefactors who bought into his nonsense. It's not good for any of those impressionable parents, players, coaches, organizers, or anyone who sees what he does and thinks, you know, that'd be good for what we do. This is why it's it's no longer a good thing. It's not entertainment television it's become a very bad example for people to bring back to their own leagues. You can go far back as when he was critical of his son's high school coach, who, by the way, no longer coaches the team. <laughs> now, I couldn't say for certain that he bullied the guy out of his job, but that's sure what it looks like. It wouldn't be out of character, that's for sure. 
doesn't seem to be out of character, and though LeVar Ball wouldn't be the first to throw his weight around and get a coach removed, it's a terrible example. And it's magnified by his high-profile exposure, especially given that, well, it was successful. He got the guy removed. Mm-hmm. So somebody else looks at it and says, well, this, this sort of things work. Yeah, but now he's working on referees too, though. Well, and that's that's where we're going. In addition, it's... as as coach of a youth b- basketball team, he uses profane language. He's disrespectful towards officials, and it's troubling how many parents will overlook such things if they believe somebody can help their kid get to the next level. If they can help their kid, if the guy can help develop their kid's abilities. I mean, it's a shameful compromise on those parents on behalf of those parents and make you wonder in how many instances those parents that make that trade, they, they, they don't do it for their kids' success, how often they're doing it for their own pride, their own, uh, look, this is, you know, my kid that I raise. This is, look at my kid. It's for their mm-hmm. own benefit. The Bible says in Galatians 5.23 that as parts of the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness and self-control are things which should be embraced, something that Certainly, LeVar Ball is not teaching his AAU players through his example. The latest incident, Jeff, you alluded to it a week or so ago, has a number of people outraged as he received a second technical foul. He demanded that a female referee who assessed him the foul be removed from a game. Now, many people are appalled at his treatment of a female referee criticizing Ball for being misogynistic, which... That's a word I don't ever recall, Zach, being used an awful <laughs> lot. But it's become somewhat trendy, and all of a sudden, yeah. fairly recently, I'm seeing it everywhere. I'd never heard this word before. I wasn't even sure the first couple of times I heard it what it meant. But I guess now it, it's it's widespread usage. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. But I don't care. This thing that's interesting to me about this female referee, I couldn't care any less that it's female. Would it, would it be any different if it was a male referee? Would getting him removed from a game, would it make it any less offensive? No, of course it not. It wouldn't be any better, that's for sure. Right. He got, he got based on, he got a technical based on his behavior and then turned around and got that ref booted from the game because he refused to leave the court. Well, that's terrible, whether it's a male or a female. I, by the way, isn't it wrong to assume her gender in that situation? <laughs> Nowadays it is. Yeah, yeah I guess I, I don't want to open anything up there. But it's an ab- absolute embarrassment that the tournament organizer, in, in this case Adidas, hopes to get a shoe deal, acquiesced, and actually replaced that official. As it turned out, he got a technical, technical foul later from the ref that replaced the ref they removed, and ended up forfeiting the game when, again, he refuses to leave the court. By the way, the second time, second game this summer that his team did not finish because uh, he had his team, he pulled his team prior to this. He just wasn't happy with the officiating in that time. I mean, all of this. Is this somebody that should be leading a youth team? And then Ball is proud of himself after the game that he got the referee, or at least seemed to be proud that he got the referee removed. Seems to be bragging about it. Should that surprise anybody? Or isn't that what's to be expected when the organizers kind of, well, they endorsed his behavior. They showed their support of Ball and not their referee by pulling them. Instead of being embarrassed or remorseful, Ball is quoted as saying that she needed to stay in her lane. 
What does that mean? Stay in her lane. Isn't her lane to officiate the basketball game? Like, isn't that her job? And isn't that what she was doing? Well, I want to know what he means. Is, is, is it the kitchen? Is that what? Come on, say it. If that's that was, what you want it yeah, to be. That was what I read between the lines is she should stay in the kitchen, which is a terrible opinion to have in 2017. Yeah, but then, then she said that, or then he said, basically, you need to be in shape. This was not a, a volunteer ref. This wasn't somebody that just propped up and... This was somebody who, not that that would have made it any better what he did, Mm -hmm. but this is somebody who referees college games. This is an experienced ref. Uh, Adidas uh, completely mishandled this situation, ended up justifying Ball's bullying while also undermining the authority of every official they hired for the entire event at the same time. How can you go out there and officiate a game knowing that, well, if I offend the wrong person, I'm going to get pulled? I've been a player, I've been a coach, I've been an official at various times. Certainly perspective is different among those different positions. It's altered based on your emotional investment. It's always amazing, even years later, depending on perspective, people will still debate a particular call. For instance, did Des Bryant make that catch several years ago in the playoffs against the Packers? When they're down 26-21 at the time... (laughs) That reception would have put Dallas, what, a yard away from being able to take the lead with something like three or four minutes left to go. Packer fans have one perspective. Cowboy fans have another because they have an emotional investment in the Mm -hmm. outcome. Jeff's sitting over here squirming because he's a Cowboys fan. He's dying to say that was a catch. That was a catch. There you go. go. Had to say it. Sure looked like a catch to me. It sure did, but the refs called it incomplete, and that's how it is. I always told my coaches, it's a waste of time to argue a call. If the umpire called him safe, it's because that's how he saw the play. What are you going to argue how he saw the play? How often do you see an umpire change his call because an umpire went out, or excuse me, a manager or a coach went out and argued with him? I think the next time will be the first time. Right. It doesn't happen. You can ask him. To get help, you can ask him from about replay. You can even ask him how he interpreted the rule. Hey, did you call that strike three on the swing? Was it or was it on, on the pitch? Was it in the strike zone? He understands what you're telling him. That hey man, I'm not agreeing with your call, but you're doing it without showing it up. You're doing it without embarrassing him. Yet you're still making your point. It's so interesting to me sometimes how often that the next call seems to go your way. Mm-hmm. If you handle those things in that manner, Romans 13, one tells us that there are authorities over us and that we are to submit to them. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. We don't like rules. We see speed limit signs and we choose to ignore them. We do what we like. I say that about people all the time. They tend to do exactly what they want to do. It's why they often dis- disregard or even disrespect authority. But the Bible says we should respect authority, even when we think the authority is dead wrong. I think LeVar Ball has a long way to go in this area, and that, like a number of people coaching youth sports, until they learn this lesson, maybe they shouldn't be coaching youth sports. I'll give you an example before moving on. This is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 24. David did not exactly respect King Saul, but he was respectful of his authority. David had been anointed to be the next king of Israel. But Saul was still the king, and he wasn't really on board with this whole David being the next king thing. He wanted David dead. In fact, he was actively pursuing 
those such results. David and his men are taking refuge in a cage, and who should walk in, the Bible says, to relieve himself? Well, the king who's hunting to kill him. At this point, many people in David's shoes would justify killing Saul. They could say it was self-defense. After all, Saul was trying to kill him. They could say it's okay to kill Saul since, well, you know, God promised me the throne anyway. You know, this is just a God-ordained way to bring it about. But David didn't do any of that. He placed his trust in God, having learned the principle of respecting the authorities that God puts in place. When God was ready for him to be king, David figured God would make him king. Until then, Saul was the king and still the authority, so David didn't take the opportunity to kill him. Romans 12.21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our respect for authority is a reflection of our respect toward God. When we respect authority, we honor God. And when we disrespect authority, well, then we dishonor regard. And that's that respect, disrespect for authority started way back in the Garden of Eden. It's why Jesus came to give his life on the cross to de- redeem us of our the, the penalty of our sins. In the Garden, Adam said within his heart, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. And he ate of the fruit, which was he was told not to. And because of Adam's rebellion, sin entered the world. That sinful, rebellious nature is within each one of us. It's within the entire human race. We're born with a sinful spirit in our hearts. We will fight the authority of God in our lives every step along the way. We, we choose what we want over what he wants, even though what he wants is ultimately for our good. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. That's the grace of God. Though each of us has sinned, though each of us is deserving the punishment of sin, Jesus took the weight of our sins when he sacrificed his life on the cross. Just one verse prior in Isaiah 53.5, it says, But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, we are healed. God made that first move in forgiving us of our sins. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. As you're listening to me this morning, you're a sinner. <laughs> Have you ever repented of those sins and asked God to forgive you? The Bible says in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God loves everybody. He loves you. He loves me. He's willing to forgive and give you everlasting life in heaven. If you've not come to that place in your life where you have considered your sins and what they may mean for you, what happens after you die, I hope you do that today. Use this verse. Remember this verse, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. We all fight authority. God is the ultimate authority in our lives. And the Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to be saved from your sins today, ask God to forgive you. Pray to him. Tell him you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Admit your guilt. Seek his forgiveness. He's ready to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Begin a new journey, and instead of fighting God's authority, 
seek after righteousness, repenting from sins, desiring to draw closer to God. With Zach Barlotta and Jeff Grace, I'm Rick Benson. If we can help you, reach out to us through our website, Facebook, Twitter, or even our studio line. This is the Beyond the Game program. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Benson and Barletta taking you through the hour here on the Beyond the Game program. I should say Benson, Barletta, and Jeff Grace. Zach, what do you have for us for this week's shenanigan statements? Yankees announcer Michael Kay made the point this weekend that holding Hall of Fame induction ceremonies during the baseball season could take attention away from the games that are being played. So truth or shenanigans, the Hall of Fame ceremony should be held during the All-Star break. I say shenanigans that it should. And maybe we're a little more sensitive to that here, not being all that far from Cooperstown, because... We want the weekend to be able to go there. People are off work. Want to be able to go to Cooperstown, enjoy the weekend, make the trip. And besides, I don't think it's taken anything away from the game. What's it taken away from the game? There are 162 of them. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. you're missing one or two along the way. What's one more? You know, the other thing about that, Zach, with the MLB at-bat app, CBS Sports at-bat, mm-hmm. Fox Sports, uh, Sports on the go. All these different apps, you don't have to miss it in any way. Take it with you. Yeah, you can multitask. Yeah. Uh, I say shenanigans as well. I think it's the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is a big enough deal, especially, you know, for players that you've grown up and spent your life watching, that if you have to skip the game to watch the ceremony, if you had to, if it meant that much to you, you could just do it and you wouldn't have a problem with it. So I agree. I, I think 
have it when you always have had it. What do you think, Jeff? I agree with both of you. It's, it's, it's shenanigans to me. So you got 162 games. I mean, you're going to miss one game to go for a special weekend to watch your player or somebody from your team go into the Hall of Fame, which is a hallowed and a special place to be in. Those are great weekends. Have you ever been to a Hall of Fame induction weekend? I haven't. I really would like to. We'll have to go when uh, when Derek Jeter goes in. I, they are a good time, and you, and you make the weekend of it because – these Hall of Famers come into Cooperstown, and they're just regular people. And you go into a restaurant, and there they are. I remember walking down the street, just walking down the street, and this, you know, the street's crowded, but this dude just walks, plows right through me. And I turn around wanting to say, hey, man, what's up? And I turn around, and it's Bob Feller, big Bob Feller. Let me tell you, Bob is big, <laughs> you know, and bumping into him, and uh, it's like, Wow, that was Bob Feller. Holy mackerel. It's just, it's so cool. Number two, the Yankees trade for Sonny Gray makes them contenders, not just for the playoffs, but the World Series. What do you think, Zach? I have to say shenanigans. As much as I want them to be, Sonny Gray is a really good pitcher. I don't think he's a great pitcher. He's a, gr- a good number two to have. But you're looking at Luis Severino as your ace right now, and he's not quite 24 years old yet. And I think they're a really good team, but they're a really young team. And I think that... While they're contending a year early and they are playoff contenders, I think next year is the year that you're looking at them legitimately being a powerhouse team. What do you think, Jeff? Well, they got, I mean, they got a very good pitcher. I mean, they improved the Yankees rotation, I think. Does it make them a World Series contender? I'd have to agree with Zach on this one. I mean, they have a good young core of players and a lot of them have come up through their farm system. So I actually think it does. I think it gives them a better shot at the World Series for sure. Mm-hmm. I actually think it gives them a better shot at the World Series than it does the playoffs overall because once you get into the playoffs and you can set your pitching rotation, I think they're – yeah, it makes them contenders. I, I'm not saying that they're going to make it, but I give them a much better chance. I look at Boston. I look at Cleveland. I, I Of course, Houston is the class, I think, of the American mm-hmm. League. But I think the Yankees can compete in that situation. So, yeah, I think it makes them a contender for the World Series. The Chicago Cubs were right to give Steve Bartman a World Series ring, and they actually should have done it sooner. I say shenanigans. I I think it was a classy move. I think it was the right thing to reach out. But I'm not convinced a fan should be given a World Series ring. But I agree they've they should have reached out to him long before now. A public apology, some season tickets. Uh, I think they should have done something for crying out loud, but I don't think you need to give them a World Series ring. Although, you know, there's different types of rings. and Could have been a key ring. Sponsors <laughs> sponsors get rings. So I, I guess maybe I, I'm wrong. I remember the owner of W.B. Mason came was actually sitting in my office, and he had – he knows I'm a Yankee fan. He had his Boston World Series ring, and – let me tell you, it was it was beautiful. He actually brought uh, the Yankees World Series ring too from two thousand nine because they he, they sponsor the Yankees as well. They sponsor like six or seven teams, so they and they give their sponsors rings. So I no, I don't I don't like it. I don't think he should have got a ring, but I think they should have done something. I say shenanigans as well. Like you said, give him some season tickets, give him some merchandise. You know, get Moises Alou to sign a ball for him or something, but. <laughs> What did he do to help the team win a game? He doesn't even go to the ballpark anymore, you know? So give the rings to people that are involved with winning the games. That's what I say. What do you think, Jeff? 
I'd have to agree with Zach on that one again. I mean, what did he do to help the team win last year? Stayed away. True. Yeah, you're right. Maybe he deserves a ring for that. <laughs> I mean, I give him a ring just because they won the series. I mean, like like Zach said. Make nice know. with the guy, not yeah. a ring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving were out of line in the video that surfaced of them seeming to mock LeBron James' workouts. Yes, absolutely. Of course they were. It's one thing to have fun with someone and poke a little fun. But to do it behind their back is just, is just wrong. And now, look, I think you'd say take a guy like Stephen Curry and you say, man, this guy, he's been classy every step of the way. I'm not just going to throw everything he's done and say, oh, well, the guy's a real jerk. Obviously, he made a misstep here. I, I think he probably knows that over his full body of work. This, is, this seems out of character. But I, I don't think it's appropriate to make fun of somebody behind their back. No, I, I agree. They were out of line. I actually say shenanigans. Um, they well, were because you make fun of people behind their back. Well, yeah, but you know <laughs> that's besides the point. But you know they're not on the court. They're not at a team of you know at a at a public forum. They're they're hanging out there in a somewhat private event. They're just letting loose and having a good time together, doing the stuff that friends do that any of us would have done. And you know I don't know that they necessarily meant for it to leak out and be. Uh, well, no, he in said he didn't forum. realize somebody was filming, but I don't think that matters. You know, if, if you're making fun of somebody behind their back. Again, I'm not making a, a big deal of it. They were, again, blowing off a little steam, having a little fun, like you're saying. I just don't think, you know, gee, this is why you don't do it, because sometimes it comes back to bite you. But I'm sorry, I cut you off. You were saying. <laughs> no, I'm done. I, I just, I, I don't see the harm in it. I think it was two guys fooling around, and well, because they're millionaire basketball players, it's a big deal. But otherwise, I don't think it's a big deal. What do you think, Jeff? Big deal yeah, or not? Nah, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's because you make fun of people behind their back, too. True. You two yeah. are terrible yes, people. Do. Good thing you never do that, Benson. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, ESPN.com posted an article this week stating that it's not crazy to talk about the New England Patriots going 19-0 and this season and route to repeating as Super Bowl champs. Truth or shenanigans talking about the Pats being undefeated this year is crazy. What do you think? Heck yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's hard... To repeat as Super Bowl champs without adding an undefeated season into it, it's something that I think has probably never been done and never will be done to repeat as Super Bowl champions while not losing a game. I don't think we'll ever see anyone do that. What do you think, Jeff? Crazy? Not crazy? Nah, it's crazy. Absolutely it's crazy. You can't talk about undefeated seasons. How 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 often has it been done? Once. Yes, right. Once. It, it's impossible. It's so hard to do. You want to talk about and defending the Super Bowl title? Talk about it. That's fine. But talking about going undefeated? No, that's that's crazy. Last, We're gonna take what? Well, the last time they did it, they lost in the Super Bowl. To, to who was that? To who was that? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, the yeah, beloved New York Giants. Yes, New York Giants. So got lucky <laughs> with that catch. Yes. What, luck. Know. What luck had nothing to do with it. The better yeah. team prevailed, Jeffrey. We're gonna take a break. Coming up after the break. We're going to talk a little Steve Bartman and the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program with no sponsor. <laughs> Here's the Red Hawks report for August 5th, 2017. 
The Red Hawks Report being presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. We're only a few weeks away from the fall sports season kicking in for the Red Hawks. They were certainly looking forward to the start of competition, but that doesn't mean that the athletic department hasn't been keeping busy since the conclusion of the spring seasons. Many additions and upgrades to the athletic facilities have been ongoing on the Roberts Wesleyan campus, and in recent men's soccer news, the team announced the signing of Johans Tusheim to the 2017 incoming class. Tusheim is a midfield forward from Uganda. He was a PSAA All-League and an MVP. He set a single-season high school record with 33 goals and 22 assists, being named Player of the Year for his team in 2015, 16, and 17. Tusheim will study international business and says, I chose Roberts Wesleyan because it's a Christ-centered school, and also because I want to be in an environment that shares my values, commitments, and passion for Christ. You can check out the new website for Roberts Wesleyan Athletics, which has recently been rolled out. That's robertsredhawks.com. That's robertsredhawks.com. That'll do it for this week's Red Hawks Report, August 5th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report has been presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. And follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks, you can get scores, highlights, and other bits of information pertaining to Roberts Wesleyan Athletics visiting that website we just mentioned. Once again, it's robertsredhawks.com. This has been the Redhawks Report, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. We welcome in those who may be listening from Newark, Delaware, just outside Wilmington. Newark, Delaware joins fans of the program in England, Japan, Ireland, Germany, and many other places around the world who downloaded last week's podcast. You can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Find us on iTunes or Google Play. Subscribe to the podcast. Have it sent to the, directly to the device of your choice each week. Newark, Delaware is the home of the University of Delaware and the Pond Ice Rink, widely recognized as the place to be for U.S. and international figure skating training due to the many Olympic champions who have trained at the University of Delaware Figure Skating Club. Newark, Delaware, former Vice President Joe Biden moved to the area when he was 10 years old. A very good football player Joe Biden was for Archmere Academy. There in Newark, he played both halfback and wide receiver, and had a big part in turning a perennial losing team of Archmere Academy into an undefeated power during his senior season. Biden also played baseball in high school. This is, uh, before coming to our neck of the woods is what I'm trying to say here in western New York, central New York, I guess we call Sy- Syracuse is more central, isn't it? Ish. We, we kind of claim the whole thing. Our studios are here in Rochester, New York, but if something happens in Buffalo, Syracuse, we claim it. It's all part of our, I guess, in a national discussion. It's close enough, don't you think? If you can leave in the morning and be there by lunch, it's, that's us. Newark, Delaware also claims Baltimore Ravens QB Joe Flacco as a resident. It was the birthplace and home of Hall of Fame pitcher Vic Willis, who in 3,996 innings recorded 249 wins, 388 complete games, 
and 50 shutouts. The great guitarist George Thorogood also hails from the area. George Thorogood and his high school friend, drummer Jeff Simon, forming the Delaware Destroyers, and they've been playing together now for something like 40 years. In fact, they played in Lewiston just a few nights ago. Maybe many of you listening had a chance to go to the show. I saw George Thurgood in the Delaware Destroyers years ago in a small hall. It was tremendous. They put on a great show. Very raw, bluesy rock sound, seemingly played for hours. Very entertaining. Though touring with the band, George released his very first debut solo album yesterday. I think maybe the day before. Party of One. A big baseball fan, Thurgood still plays a lot of celebrity softball events in many of the tour stops. He even played semi-professionally. In fact, he played second base while drummer Jeff Simon was the center fielder on that same semi-professional baseball team. According to Guitar World, George Thurgood is a New York Mets fan, so I guess, you know. Oh, so close. Yeah. <laughs> to those of you around the world, and especially this week in Newark, Delaware, we thank you for listening and hope you continue to enjoy the podcast. Cup fans last season finally got to see their team win a World Series championship. I know of no other fan base which would have remained so loyal to their team despite the many losing seasons, despite the long historic title drought, more so than Chicago Cubs fans. It was as fate. They sort of embraced the losing. They sort of uh, kind of, they were those lovable losers. More than any other organization, they laughed off the curse of the billy goat. They adopted as their own that um, wait till next year slogan, which uh, probably originated with the Brooklyn Dodgers. I think that was their big thing, wait till next year. But the Cubs sort of made that their own. But there was always this one ugly incident which seemed out of place in such a warm, friendly Cubs history, and this is this little matter of Steve Bartman. It was as though the entire time that Cubs fans were handling losing with class, they were handling losing with dignity, that that was just a charade to hide their true evil underbelly. (laughs) That beneath their mature, gentle facade lurked a bunch of serial killer wannabes living out their double lives in their parents' basements. Many remember or have at least seen the video archives of nerdish-looking, bespectacled Steve Bartman sitting there at Game 6 of the 2003 NL Championship Series against the Florida Marlins, listening to the game, I presume listening to the game, on his headphones over top of his Cubs hat, which he undoubtedly cherished like any lifelong Cubs fan would. Mm -hmm. And then that moment in the eighth inning at Wrigley Field when a foul ball came his way. Along the left field wall, without really thinking about it, he just instinctively reached out, deflected it away from left fielder Moises Alou as he reached to make the catch. Following the flight of the ball, you know, I'm not even sure that he knew Alou had an opportunity to make the catch or, or even where he was reaching into. He just reached for a ball. I suppose all he knew was that this was his chance, maybe his one chance to bring home a game-used baseball from a Cubs playoff game. The crowd began to react negatively towards Bartman. Well, I think they they did publish his name and address in the paper or something well, like that, and they right away. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the game had just ended, and within minutes, they're on message boards at the time, just putting up his name and number, and he had to have a 
be escorted out. He had to have police protection for a while. And of course, you know, Alou didn't help much with his jumping up and down. Yeah. And kind of sealing Bartman's fate as Chicago's number one public enemy. But mm-hmm. I, I've seen it a billion times. And I think Alou probably would have made the catch, but I don't think that's a guarantee. In fact, Alou himself was quoted by the Associated Press in 2008 as saying, you know what the funny thing is? I wouldn't have caught it anyway. Now, Alou debates that he ever said that, so the whole thing is debatable. In fact, he, in a 2011 ESPN documentary, he said, I'm 100% convinced that I had the ball in my glove. I just don't know. Whether he would have, whether he could have, whether he should have caught the ball doesn't matter because he didn't catch the ball. And the Cubs went on to squander a three-run lead in that game, which, of course, that wasn't the doing of Steve Bartman, Mm -hmm. thanks to an eight-run eighth inning. And that's what a lot of people don't remember, that they gave up eight runs after that moment. The Marlins went on to win the game 8-3, to tie the series before winning game 7-9-6, to sending the Cubs to another decade of frustration. You never know how the game's going to go after any particular point in a ball game, But, I don't know, maybe things would have gone differently had he made the catch. But it's real difficult to pin Steve Bartman for this with with eight runs being let in. Mm -hmm. This would have only been the second out of the inning. And they let in eight runs all after the Bartman incident. A big moment, no doubt. Cub fans five outs away from their first National League pennant since 1945. And that's when they started putting up these message boards, Zach, as you mentioned, and To his credit, Steve Bartman was a bigger man. He continued to live in the city, remained a fan of the team. Marlins fans would send him gifts, which he would be requested be donated to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. He declined significant money to sign autographs to appear at a Wrigley Field. It's even reported to have declined a six-figure offer to appear in a Super Bowl commercial. The guy was pretty classy. His lawyer said that the one thing that Steve and I did talk about was if the Cubs were to win, he did not want to be a distraction to the accomplishments of the players and the organization. Believe it or not, Zach, that ball, the actual ball was eventually sold at auction. It was bought for $113,000. Wow. Someone connected That's to insane. Harry Carey's restaurant group bought it and destroyed the ball but before it was it was said to have been used by the restaurant in a pasta sauce no physical part of the ball of course was used in the sauce but it was boiled the steam was captured it was distilled and then used in the sauce recipe why do we reminisce about this one blemish on the otherwise clear and smooth baby bottom of the cubs fan base the Bible says in Romans fourteen nine, let us therefore follow after the thing which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Feeling it's appropriate time to do so, the Chicago Cubs are trying to put the incident to rest, making peace with their much beleaguered but loyal fan by giving him an official 2016 World Series ring. He was presented his ring in the office of team owner Tom Ricketts at Wrigley Field this past Monday morning. Cub fans gave out three tiers of rings, three types of rings to everyone from players to security guards to front office people to secretaries. Bartman was given the same ring, which was given many staff members, not the one the players got. Ricketts said in a team statement, 
We hope this provides closure on an unfortunate chapter of the story and added that while no gesture can fully lift the public burden he has endured for more than a decade, we felt it was important Steve knows that he has been and continues to fully embrace, be embraced by this organization. Bartman issued a statement as well, and this guy has been classy the whole time. He thanked the club, which these are reported to be his first comments since that incident in 2003. He said, although I do not consider myself worthy of such an honor, I am deeply moved and sincerely grateful to receive an official to Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series championship. Very humble, very lengthy statement in which he said many kind things. But one of the things that stood out was this, he said, I humbly received the ring, not only as a symbol of one of the most historic achievements in sports, but as an important reminder for how we should treat each other in today's society. My hope is that we can all learn from my experience to view sports as entertainment and prevent harsh scapegoating, and to challenge the media and opportunistic profiteers to conduct business ethically by respecting personal privacy rights and not exploit any individual to advance their own self-interest or economic gain. This whole segment, this whole Bart, Steve Bartman segment, we're bringing it up as dual purpose. There's so much about the incident that we've forgotten, such as they scored eight runs. And there's maybe many never knew that. The Cubs losing that series was not Steve Bartman's fault. But the other par- purpose to this segment is that I think there's great wisdom, not only to how Steve Bartman has conducted himself in the time since, but also in the statement he made. It's a game. Yes, we play it. We watch it with great emotion, but it's a game. There are disappointments. There's elation along the way, but it's a game. Neither the disappointment nor the elations should cause anyone to lose sight of the fact that it's just that. Man, it's a game. Get Check yourself. It should not be the reason to treat anyone the way Steve Bartman was treated in the aftermath of that event. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15 says, Pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. It's important to work. To work at peace with man, it's important. Romans twelve eighteen says, If it be possible, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. But it's much more important to have peace with God. How does such a person establish peace with God? With forgiveness of sins. It comes with putting their faith in Christ. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. The odd guy in the corner is Jeff Grace. <laughs> this is the Beyond the Game program. It's here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? 
Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, President of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Bring it. Uh, uh, uh. Welcome back into the BTG studios from Rochester, New York. This is the Beyond the Game program. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta being joined this week by Jeff Grace. A few loose ends to tie up before we close out the show, including You Like That, which for me this week, you know, in Luke chapter 15, there are several stories of the joy one has when finding a lost item which has value to them, whether it be the shepherd's sheep, the woman's coin, the father in the account of the prodigal son, there's great relief and happiness being reunited with something which had been lost. Imagine being a world-class pole vaulter arguably the best in the world, and losing your pole vaulting poles. Well, that's what happened this week to Olympic champion and record holder Jen Soor. The Roberts Wesleyan College graduate was on her way to London for the world championships, but her pole vaulting poles were never put on the plane. She reached out to United Airlines via Twitter, as well as through other means, I would imagine, and they responded promptly and got her poles to London in time for the meet. What I like this week is United Airlines realizing the significance, importance, and then going into action to get Jen Sewer reunited with her equipment so that she could compete on the world stage. What I like this week was a move by the Philadelphia Phillies who announced that Pete Rose was uninvited from their alumni weekend, will no longer be added to the team's wall of fame, and will no longer have his bobblehead giveaway night at the ballpark. After it was recently revealed that when he was in his 30s, married and a father of two, he had an affair with a teenage girl who was allegedly under the age of consent. The Phillies removing Pete Rose from their upcoming ceremonies is what I like this week. You like that? You like that? That is troubling to even try to defend it. And I heard Mm -hmm. that he said, well, she was 16 and the woman debates she says i was younger than that but then it's only wrong for three reasons instead of four so congratulations it's just it's just wrong no you like that for jeff because jeff doesn't like anything (laughs) i want to tell you this has been the beyond the game program please consider partnering with our ministry of sharing the gospel through sports talk radio help us bring the gospel message as biblical perspectives are applied to the sports stories to listeners throughout the world throughout the united states With your support, we can air this very unique faith-based sports program in new markets. Visit our website, btgprogram.com. And don't forget, check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast. That's available on iTunes and Google Play. Our own Zach Barletta does that with his brother. Visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Let us hear from you. You can stop by our website, btgprogram.com. Send us an email to hosts at btgprogram.com. 
for Zach Barletta and Jeff Grace, who was kind enough to sit in with us this week. I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Thank you.